What is going on, beautiful people? I hope you are having an amazing day. Welcome back to another episode of the Thrive Forever Fit Show. I'm your host, Jay Nixon. And if you know anything about me or you've listened to this show for any amount of time, you know that my goal is to help you live your happiest, healthiest life while on the quest to cure obesity. And I just want to say from the bottom of my heart, I am immensely grateful that you spend your time listening to me rant and ramble about all things health, wellness, abundance, and opportunity. It absolutely means the world to me. Today's episode is sponsored by my brand new weight loss transformation program called FLEX. FLEX stands for a flexible lifestyle eating and exercise program. And my promise is this, it will be the last program you ever need to purchase. It is a weight loss program that is not a diet. I know that just blew your mind. This is not a diet. There's no pills, potions, or false promises that you have to purchase. There's no fad, no covers of magazines, no doctors and lab coats. This is real deal lifestyle transformation that is going to change your life forever. You will never need to do another diet. You're going to get expert level support and accountability. You're going to get transformative information about how to eat, when to eat, what to eat. There's three reasons that people struggle with weight loss. There's too, It's too much, too often, or the wrong combination. They're either eating too much food, too often, or they're eating the wrong combinations. And I'm going to help you fix all three of those. Thousands of people just like you have ditched the depressive diet roller coaster, have come on board with the Thrive Forever Fit flex program and are transforming their lives. We've got clients that have lost 10 pounds in the first seven days, 15 pounds, 20 pounds. We've got clients that are over 130 pounds down. Guys, I promise you, this is the last program you'll ever need to purchase. And I am more than honored to offer it to you so that I can help you on your journey. All right, let's get to the show. Kathleen, welcome to the show. I'm so glad to have you. Oh, I'm really excited to be here after listening to some of your interviews and hearing about your story. I think that we have a somewhat similar story and, and yeah. you sound, seem to have a good philosophy um, that jives with my philosophy. So well, this is going to be a great conversation. It is going to be so much fun. And you are in Toronto, Canada. We just kind of touched on that before. Yes. Um, give me the, give, you know, if, if I'm driving Uber and I say, hey, Kathleen, what do you, what do, you do? Like, what would you, oh what, my would God. you what would you tell me? <laughs> Um, I try to bring health and wellness to the people that I interact with, you know, exercise changed my life. Um, okay. and I see so many people interacting with the discourse of health and wellness in a way that sort of makes them smaller. Like as I don't mean physically smaller, but I mean, like, you know, I see people when they talk about how they kind of bend over and they almost go into themselves and it becomes very shaming and it becomes about sort of what they can't do and, and all the things that they, and all their failures. And, um, and I want people to walk into the room and they, and sort of throw their hands up and be like, I love to walk or I love to run or I love to right. play hockey or, you know, like I eat broccoli or like whatever it is. I just, health and wellness for me has the possibility to be engaging and exciting and empowering and expansive. And that doesn't mean it's not hard work. And it doesn't mean I don't wake up wow. some days and think like, oh my God, I don't want to do my workout. But it means that when I used to think about exercise and eating well, when I was a kid um, for the first half of my life, I thought of it as something that was done to me. It was like things I should do. It was really felt overwhelming. It felt yeah. scary. It felt demoralizing. It felt like the world was saying like, you're a bad person because you don't exercise enough. And you're a bad person because you're overweight. And you're a bad person. And you're a bad person because of, you know, all these hundreds of things. Yeah. And now the world wasn't actually saying that to me, but right. I felt it, right? And now- Was this um, was this as a kid? Was this when you were little? Yeah, so sort of, I would say for the first half of my life. So my, okay. my parents were divorced and I sort of ate my way through my feelings with food okay. um, and you know I just I couldn't find I'm tall I'm six feet and um, when I was younger I felt like really embarrassed by my height and I felt you know that sort of hunched over posture I was talking about a couple minutes but that's sort sure. of how I felt I would walk into rooms and I wanted to I wanted to evaporate like I didn't want to be there 
Um, and the difference is, I think, is when you get stronger and you feel better about yourself, you walk into a room and, you know, you're not, I'm not saying I don't have some days where I have imposter syndrome and all that stuff, but yeah. primarily I walk into the room pretty proud to be in the body that I am. And, yeah. and that's, so that's, maybe that's what I do for a living. I try to make people proud to stand in the body that they are in, right? Because listen, we get one precious life, right? Yeah. And, and you know, we can only be the people that we are. So I think instead of trying to be somebody else and trying to shit all over ourselves and, you know, like, I think it's just great to be able to be like, yeah, I'm imperfect and I'm human and I make mistakes. In fact, I made like 50 of them already today, yeah. uh, but you know, that doesn't mean I'm a bad person and, and I can be, you know, imperfectly perfect. <laughs> I love that. It's a, it's a phenomenal answer. Before we jump into like health and fitness and stuff, I want to talk about you. So, okay. cause I love that. So you are, so you're six feet. Um, were you yes. always taller than your, and I'm asking this for a specific reason, were you always yeah. taller than your, your friends and your, the people that yeah. are your age? Yeah. Oh, so I, my mom was a single mom and she's an actress. And so we moved around a lot. And so that was part of it is that I would get to a new school and I was always taller. And up until a certain point, I was taller than all the boys. You know, it's felt to me that I sort of got matured much faster. And then they sort of caught up to me eventually. Mm -hmm. My partner now is like six, four. So it's great. I feel short. I love it. Um, but yeah, and I would show up at a new school and people would think I was a supply teacher and like, it, it was right. not fun, you yeah. know? And I just, I felt very uh, awkward. And, and, you know, again, the things that I admire about myself now were not things that I admired about myself then. So my mom was an yeah. actress, a classical actress. So I would show up and like, I could quote Shakespeare and, you know, philosophy and all right. this stuff, which is maybe wonderful when you're 40, but definitely when you're 12, right. kids just want to talk about the Simpsons. Or they want yeah. To talk it's about, super like, cool now, but back <laughs> then you were like, <laughs> So I was not cool. I was a nerd. I okay. hate like, and like, I just, yeah, as I said, I wanted to sort of evaporate. Um, but then I had this really cool experience, which is the sort of philosophy behind my first book, Finding Your Fit, which is eventually my mom said to me, mom, your mom's amazing. And she said to me, you know, so far in your life, we have tried to make you fit the mold of every other child. You know, mm -hmm. like we've put you in ballet. We've tried to put you in softball. Like we've done all these things. And right. uh, she's like, but that's maybe trying to fit a square peg into a round hole. And if all we care about is that we move, and that you move, um, why don't we try to find a way that fits who you are, or at least who you are at this moment? Um, right. And when I was a teenager, I felt much more comfortable with people my mother's age because I'd grown up in the theater, right? Like, you know, from the age of five, from right. the age of three, I think when my dad left, like I'd go to the theater with my mom, that was babysitting. So I'd be backstage with like, you know, 20 other adults and I'd be chatting, talking about Shakespeare and like all that stuff. So my mom said, let's get you a membership to the YMCA where the demographic is sort of like under five and over 40 and yeah. you can just go walk on the treadmill. Um, and that's really like the basis of so much of my philosophy uh, with my clients and my first book, Finding Your Fit is about like, how do you find the fit that works for you? That moving has to be thought of as a non-negotiable, but how you move, yeah. you know, is up to you in the stage of your life and, and all that stuff. So I'm, I'm forever thankful to my mom. Totally. Um, and, you know, now, as I said, I walk into a room, I like being tall. I like talking about Shakespeare, but I also yeah. like talking about, you know, other television, like I've sort of diversified who I am a little bit and I'm right. better able to get around along with people my own age. And um, I can totally, yeah, yeah. yeah, I can totally relate to that. Like when I was little, I always tell people that I, I stopped growing when I was like in the eighth grade. Like I was like always twice the size of my friends. Like whenever I showed my significant other a picture of me from like the first grade, I look like Elf from the movie Elf, Will Ferrell. Oh my God. Oh my God. Um, I love that movie. I my, love Christmas. I love that. I'm, I'm <laughs> we're, we're all sitting out in front of the, um, you know, on the steps of the school and yeah. my knees are by my ears because I'm so much taller and so much, I look like yes. The, yes. We're, we're in the first grade and I look like I should be like in the fifth grade. Totally. And it, I, and, that was me as well. And it was so, you know, looking back on it, it was like, what was going on it's like and I remember like being kind of like you like I wanted to like shrink in a lot of those those circumstances because I did feel odd or off yeah. or or you yeah. name it so I can totally relate to everything that you kind of just unpacked there and you know maybe that's the reason we're both kind of doing the things that we're doing today is because I want people I'm just like you like I want people to to feel amazing in their vehicle, right? In their yes. body and in their whatever, vehicle. I love what, that, yeah. whatever they bring, you know, with them, like that's not who they are. It's just the outward, you know, impression of 
you know, what the world gets to see. And I want people to feel yeah. comfortable in that. So let's talk a little bit more about now with your first book, did you yeah. write that based on the knowing that other people needed to hear a story like you lived or what was the premise behind like the creation of that first book? Cause I have massive really? respect yeah. for anybody who's willing to say, I'm going to write a book because if you've never, yeah. if you've ever written a book, it's like, it's, it's not the easiest thing work. in the world to do. No, right? that's a really good question. I don't know how much of a good answer I have other than so much I find have of my life is um, just surprising a little bit. So I started writing for the Globe and Mail, which is a national newspaper in uh, Canada. And so I wrote for them, I don't know, like five or six years, I guess. And so I had, and I was writing for the Huffington Post and I was writing for doing other things. And then I think enough people just sort of said like, all of this is great, but these one off articles are not as helpful as it could be if it was all together. Okay. Um, and I remember for one Christmas, I put, I hired like a student to print out all my articles and put it in like a spiral notebook to give to my mom as like a Christmas present. Yeah. And I remember her opening and thinking like, oh, this is so cool. Like all of them are together. Now these were just like printouts of articles. Right. Um, and then I think that sort of spurred me to think, well, what about if I tried to find a way to sort of knit them together with also with my personal story um, and yeah. my philosophy. So I think that sort of came with that. And then I put together a book proposal. And I think it was also just I had so many people come to me and say like, you know, oh, you're, you've always been motivated. I'm never going to get fit because you've always been motivated and I've never been motivated. And I was like, well, no, but actually I haven't always been motivated. But right. I haven't always been fit. And I think I had enough of those conversations with people to realize that, you know, listen, we are all our own worst enemies or most of us are our own worst enemies sure. at least in some ways. And yeah, one from of time the ways- to time, that, we all Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I think for one of the ways we get in our own way with health and wellness is, is thinking, well, you know, those fitness experts, they have it easy. They've always been motivated. They've always been fit. And, you know, I'm, I can never do it because that's just not who I am. Right. Uh, and so I just think that that is such, you know, BS. Like, it's just not true. I understand why people think that because it's true. scary to take the first step. Right. And I think it is easy to play that comparison game of like, well, that person has always been that, like, that's just who they are. Um, but so I wanted to be able to say to people like, no, here's the book, read this through and see, like, I've fought with all the same things that you fought with in my own iterations. Like yeah. it's not, wasn't exactly the same, but it was the concepts are there. And if I could do it, so can you, like, we can all be the hero of our own health journey. We just need a little bit of help, a little bit of guidance, a little bit of motivation. Um, so I think those are all the reasons why I wrote the book. Um, cool. and, and I, I love being able to give it to people and I love being able to say, like, I'm a big believer we were talking before the break. I love um, Aristotle and his philosophy of this idea of you, you become the virtue you want. So he, he says, like his quote is, you become the builder by building things. You become the harpist by playing the harp. And I think it's the same thing with fitness. Like if you want to be healthier and live a healthier life, you have to start living the healthier life. Like you become fit by doing the, doing the things. Yeah. And I think we get so caught up in, well, I'm not that person. And then without, instead of saying like, well, if I want to become that person, I just have to do it. I, I need to do those things enough yeah. times. Um, I don't know. James Clear has this thing. So I love the book Atomic Habits. And mm -hmm. he has this thing where he says, every choice you make is a vote for the future person you want to be. So it's the same yeah. idea, right? If you want to become a builder, you yeah. build things. If you want to, like you vote to become a fitter person right. by going for a walk, by drinking some water. Um, so yeah, so that's a very, very long answer to, to your question, but no, I think I wanted great. to give people the tools to become the builder, to become the healthy person. Yeah. And one of the tools is knowing that like anybody can do it. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm big on like identity, right? Like how you identify. And I think a lot of times, like, you know, we identify as someone who doesn't work out, right. Or yes, somebody yeah. who's somebody who things are hard for, or, mm -hmm. you know, I don't work out because it's, you know, it's too hard for me and whatever. And so mm -hmm. when you're, when you're making that kind of identification, you're, it's, it will be challenging for you. Right. So you've absolutely kind of, kind of like to, um, you know, to the atomic habits thing, it's like, you're casting a future vote for who it is that you exactly maybe, maybe want and or need to be in order to get yeah. the things that you you want. Back to like kind of the Stoics and, and Aristotle and, and all of those. I'm, I love all that as well. And I was listening to something and they said, you know, it was talking about like like being sad. And mm -hmm. they and and the the person was talking about how, you know, you don't necessarily need to remove the sadness because without yes. sadness, you wouldn't know, you wouldn't understand what happiness was. And without happiness, yes. you wouldn't understand what sadness was. Would you, are you yes. willing to, 
And so the, the, the question was, are you willing to give up both forever, right? Are you, will, yeah. are you willing to never be happy again, to never experience sadness? Well, and the answer would be, well, of course not. I don't want to. Of course not. Yeah. I don't want you got to be able to feel it all. Yeah. I don't want to not be happy, but I think a lot of times we have that all or nothing mentality when it comes to fitness is yeah. that it's, it's always going to be this challenging or it's, yeah. or for you, it's never challenging. And both of those things couldn't be further from the truth. Oh my God. Absolutely. Yeah. No. Cause I think I'm like, I love that point in that it is a mixture of both because it's not that it's easy for me now. It's just that I have habits that are set up. Like it yeah. is a lifestyle, but more than that, it's that I have the self-talk ready to go. Mm -hmm. So go when ahead. I wake up in the morning and I'm like, Oh, I don't want to work out. I'm able to say to myself, no, Kathleen, you always like always feel better after work. It's the only workout yeah. you ever, you know, regret is the one you didn't do. Totally. Um, and yes, you might be tired now, but of course you're tired. Now you were just sleeping. Like your body is still in a sleepy yeah. state, but if you go work out, you will feel better. You will be more energized. You will be more awake. So yeah. I think so much of it is that having the self-talk, but the problem is, is that the self-talk comes from like years of doing the thing. So you kind of have to say to yourself, okay, I need to do the exercise enough in order yeah. to know that it's going to be like, it's going to make me feel better. And that's part of right. the, part of the problem is like, you know, my 15 year old self who'd never gone to the gym, I didn't, I wasn't able to say, Kathleen, you know, you will feel better. I could only say, well, you know, my doctor says I will feel better or they, yeah. you know, the mystical, they say I will feel better. So you yeah. kind of have to have a little bit of a leap of faith at the beginning and sort of say, okay, I'm going to give it a month or I'm going to yeah. give it two weeks or I'm going to give it six months or whatever it is. I'm going to put the reps in um, and so that I can get some good data. Like I really am such a believer in all days are just data, like all experiences yeah. are data. So if a client says like, oh my God, I overate last night. I'm like, okay, so how do you feel right now? And they're like, oh, right. I feel full, I feel gross. I'm like, great, okay. So you overate, you feel gross, you feel full. So put that in your data bank. So the next yeah. time you want to overeat, you say, well, actually, like, I'm going to, like, this is not going to make me happy. It's going to make me feel gross. Yeah. Um, but it's that cycle, right? So the more you do things that serve you, the more you have data to know that those choices make you feel good. Um, and then, you know, the, the problem is you just have to do a couple of the things in the beginning that, that are the good data. So, and that, that really does take that discipline and faith and sort of say like, okay, I'm going to commit to this. Um, you know, I agree with you a thousand percent. And I, I kind of do the same thing. So I have this, I have these things, I call them walk and talks. And so mm -hmm. I I walk a lot, just both for great for me and it's really therapeutic for my brain. So when I get like my so greatest, good for the brain. I get my greatest ideas and I'm like, I mean, I'm making notes and write this down, make a note. And so, you know, I did one not too long ago and I, you know, I was just honest. And I was like, hey guys, I, I want you to understand that like. I was sitting at my desk and it was time to go on my afternoon walk and I didn't want to go, but I'm obviously here. Right. And I want to yeah. tell you why I'm going to tell you why I'm here. I'm here because I have trained myself to do mm -hmm. the things I don't want to do even when I don't want to do them. Right. And that's only through reps. And, and so it's like, at least said, rep one will be way different than rep 10,000. And once you get to 10,000 reps of anything, then you've, you've now reprogrammed yourself to do things on those days. And so my solution for somebody who's like, yeah, Jay, but I'm on rep four. So mm -hmm. sometimes you've got to believe in, you've got to believe in my belief in you because you don't yet have that belief in yourself. And, and I got, Absolutely. I got such a, a beautiful gift yesterday. Um, one of our, one of my clients um, was talking and she said that her mother had broken her, her femur a mm -hmm. year ago and was just now starting to walk again. And she started walking again because of my little walk and talk videos. Oh, I love and I was like, in like, and so that's another reason to just keep yeah. doing things because I had no clue. I had no idea that some lady who lives in somewhere that I'll never yeah. be, probably never meet is actually doing something because I'm willing to be honest about my struggle and yeah, journey just to go that. for a walk. And so yeah. I think you and I both have a responsibility to keep yeah. doing those things and saying those things and being those things. Cause in, in for anybody listening, like know that we have those same crappy days, right? Oh my God. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So that is what my therapist would call the ripple effect. Okay. Um, that idea of like you putting out something into the world and then it's like somebody hearing yeah. it. And I love, so one of the things that is I've been doing for the last 20 or more years is doing therapy. In fact, I have therapy this afternoon. I love my therapist. And so what she would suggest to everybody, because she suggested this to me and it 
really worked is um, keeping a mood journal for a couple weeks. Uh, it could be for a month. It could be two weeks. She got me to do it for two weeks. Um, and basically what she said, because I was bad when I first started with her, I was battling fairly severe depression. Um, and so she said, okay, so every day you're going to wake up and you're going to put the, the number you are on a scale of one to 10. So normally it'd be like a zero or a one or a two. And then she's like, and then you're going to go for a walk. And then after the walk, you're going to put the number that you are out of 10. Mm -hmm. And then she's like, and then like, and she gave me different things to do. And the reason why she wanted me to do that is that sort of that leap of faith makes me do it because she asked me to do it because mm -hmm. I was, you know, being accountable to her. But it's like, yeah, you might not know at this moment that this is the like in your heart, it might feel hard to do, but if you do it, you get the data to show you. And now totally. when I don't want to do a workout or go to work or any of the things that she got me to chart for those two weeks, I actually have a concrete journal that I can look at and I can say, yeah. I am literally always in a better mood, even if it's just by like 0.1 yeah. after I do things. Totally. Um, so I would encourage people to do that because that's, that's how you get the data. And now I don't need to keep the journal. This was like 15 years ago, yeah. but I still have that journal. And every time I work out, I make a mental note of like, okay, yet another example of how I Perfect. feel better when I do the thing that I said I was going to do. Um, so she really encouraged that. And then she really encourages this idea of, of a ripple effect in that when you're feeling low, um, or when I'm feeling low, sometimes it's easy for me to tunnel into being like, oh, I haven't done enough today. I haven't, you know, I haven't accomplished, an, accomplished enough or like nobody cares or like all this stuff. Um, and I'm a big meditator and I've, I've like a lot of, I have a lot of tools, but one yeah. of the tools I just think of is, okay, so maybe you're not, the today is, is not the best day for you, but if you go out and go for a walk, maybe you smile at somebody and that yeah. creates a ripple effect on their day. Yeah. And yeah. right. So it's like, what can you do yeah. when you feel low that kind of takes you out of yourself? And for, and for her and for me, just thinking about how you can positively impact the world. Um, it, it, it feels really good if you, especially if you do feel sort of disconnected from yeah. a lot of things, which you can feel if you feel sort of anxious or depressed, you, you, it is very easy to tunnel into yourself in those moments. So anyway, that's the ripple yeah. effect. She would love it. She would be like so happy that you well, experienced that. And that's kind of how I think about it. I think about it as like, in terms of like, whenever you're feeling helpless, the best thing you can do is get helpful. Yeah. And I think very when we stoic, think about- Very stoic, yeah, very stoic, controllable. When we think about getting helpful, I think oftentimes we think of something monumental. Yeah. But it's like you said, it's like, it's a smile, right? It's a, yeah. how you doing? It's a, any yeah. any of those little things. And tell your therapist, I think this is amazing. And so what, what we've done is so- I have like my private coaching group or people that come to my studio. I created a, like a one sheet journal and okay. part of the, and part of that journal down in the bottom corner is when it's an AM and a PM mood check-in. So the first thing they do when they get up in the morning is they, they check, how do I feel? Like, how do I feel yeah. right now? I love the numbering system. Cause that kind of gives it, e it's so much easier. Yeah. But mine's kind of set up as like, Hey, how do, what's your, you know, let's check in right now. Like when you wake up, how do you feel? And then when you go to bed at night, how do you feel? Yeah. And then the entire sheet is kind of constructed in, you know, the foods you ate, the movement you yeah. did, the water you drank, the sleep you got and all of those things combined, like, did it change your mood from the time you got up to the time you went to bed? So, yeah. I mean, very, very similar yeah. and very, very awesome. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. so I think things yeah. like that are so, so, so beneficial. Let me ask you this in respect yes. to that. Cause you're like, you're like, now you don't, you don't really need to, to get your sheet out and put, I'm a 1.5 mm -hmm. versus, mm -hmm. so I have the same theory on, um, you know, I'm, I'm mindset over macros, right? Like I think mm -hmm. mindset's way more important than macros. Yes. I think macros mm -hmm. are important, but I, I always tell people and, and clients in general, or, or people that just ask for nutritional advice is the last thing I want you to have to do is to count mm -hmm. your macros for the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. First yeah. of all, nobody's gonna do that right mm -hmm. like i you know i spent a lot of time in like the competitive bodybuilding and competitive mm -hmm. fitness worlds and that's the last thing those people even want to do they just have mm -hmm. to do it because it's part of their job mm -hmm. and i've i've created a lifestyle for myself right mm -hmm. where now i no longer need to track my macros like mm -hmm. and so that do you feel the same way about food as you do about that or is what's yeah, your philosophy on that oh, oh my god i feel like can we have four hundred hours to chat. So yes. I think the thing, yeah, yes. <laughs> so I think the thing with food is, you, you know, you've said a couple times throughout this conversation already that we go from sort of zero to a hundred. Like we think we need to be, you know, if we're going to do something um, important for the world, it has to be monumentous versus mm -hmm. like just a smile. And I think that's very similar with food is we often get in our own way by thinking, well, the only way to be healthy is if I count all my macros, I eat mm -hmm. zero sugar. I, and 
listen, if you are a bodybuilder or if you're somebody, a competitive right. athlete or, you know, yes, maybe you do have to go down that rabbit hole. So it's not, I'm not saying that for everybody on earth, that's not needed, you right. know, depend the amount of effort you need to put into your nutrition is going to be determined by the, the goal that you are trying to reach. But for most people, if that is not their job, that you don't need to get into the weeds. So one of the things is, I think people really do is they try to optimize the margins before they have a base of anything. Yeah. So if you, right. So instead of you, before you start worrying about macros, are you drinking enough water? Right. Are you eating five servings of vegetables a day? How much processed foods do you have? How much, you know, like how much fiber are you having? Are you eating at 11 o'clock at night? Like I have so many clients who, you know, eat well until about 10 o'clock at night. And then, at, you know, 1030, they eat a container of ice cream. Okay. Right. So don't worry about your macros, cut out the container of ice cream, right? right. So, yeah. so for most people listening, um, what they need to do is dial in the basics, right? You need to, you know, stop when you're at full, eat when you're hungry, drink your water, eat your vegetables, get your fiber. Um, and then once you've figured out all of that, then you can figure out if you want to take the, the next step. And, and, right. and really like it, it depends on your goal. And there are going to be some people that are going to need to do that. But for the most part, um, you know, you really, you don't. And um, again, like I love James Clear and one of his lines that he always talks about is standardize before you optimize. And I think that right. goes for fitness. It goes for nutrition. It goes for everything. It's like, don't try to get into the weeds until you standardize doing the right things consistently yeah. for, you know, a couple months. Yeah, um, I, and I always, let me, is this the kind of the same thing? I always say that like, you can't, you know, you can't optimize a habit until the habit has become the standard. Well, until it's a habit. Exactly. It's the right. exact same thing. You got to standardize and then yeah and most most of us want to we want to go to maximum optimization before we even create the the ritual or the standard around doing the thing long enough right and i think yeah. also we need to get better as as, as humans is maybe pushing our time horizon out a little bit and yeah under, understanding that like you know talking talking decades instead of days right like, oh my god absolutely yeah well and it's just like, I think partly why we do it, to be honest, is that when we make ourselves think that the goal is perfection, like, oh, I have to do macros, have, it actually is a way to just not do it, right? Like, yeah. for most people, if you say, well, the thing I have to do to get healthy is exercise for two hours a day and count all my macros, you know what the person's going to do? Ah, screw it. So right. it's a, it is sort of a little bit for not everybody. I'm definitely not saying everybody, but, and I'm not even saying it's a conscious thing, but I yeah. think unconsciously, like we get so caught up in this perfectionist mindset. We go so get, it's scary. It's too much. We analysis paralysis, we get right. caught and then we just don't do anything. Um, and again, really to quote you to you is like, we get caught in having to do everything um, versus just finding that middle ground of like, okay, well, can I drink some water? Can I go yeah. for a walk? Right? Like it's, it's the same idea. You don't have to, to do good in the world you can do a smile you don't have to go and you know and you know go to a month for habitat for humanity now you can right. do that for sure as well but don't put off what you can do today for tomorrow because you want to be perfect and yeah. that's really the truth i think really truth with with nutrition yeah um, it's the truth with everything um it's it's about consistency and it's about daily habits and it's about like what you said is i love that pushing off the timeline um I try to encourage my clients to have an infinite mindset versus a finite, right? So I think yeah. it's James Cars. He wrote the book, Infinite versus Finite Games. And, and basically it's a, it's a mindset shift, right? Like if you're in a finite game, that's the like, um, you know, quick diet of 10 days. It's like, yeah. okay, well, I'm going to be perfect for 10 days. I'm going to lose this weight. I'm going to for my wedding or for whatever yeah. you get there, you check off the box, it's done. And then you go back to your old habits, but health is a, privilege that we get until the day we die you know yeah. um so you know it's an infinite game it's we're here it's a long it's a, it's the it's the long haul i agree i'd be kind of to, to to you know stack upon what you're saying i think oftentimes that we 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 add complexity instead of consistency yes right? uh, that's exactly yeah, yeah yeah absolutely 
Yeah, I'm laughing only because, so my partner, his name is James and I'm a woman of many, many words. So we'll be having a conversation. I'll be like going on for like, like 40 minutes, blah, 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 blah. Like I will have read a book. I go on and on and on. And then I'll pause, take a breath and he goes, and he will sum up what I say beautifully in like one sentence. He's a lawyer. So he's like, so I feel like that's what you're doing, which I love. So like I go, like I talk, 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 talk. And then you're like, okay, and what about this? <laughs> it's very, anyway. Well, it's great. My, I, yes. I, my I, real I, name is James as well. So maybe it's a James thing. So we'll, We'll, who knows? We'll, 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 we'll go with that. We'll chalk it up to that. Yeah. But, you know, I think um, everything you're saying is, is spot on. And so you, there's a couple of things that I, that I read kind of in your in your bio and in your notes. And we have we share a lot of these. And you're talking about the importance of mindset, you know, mm-hmm. eliminating or controlling negative self-talk. Mm-hmm. I think that's one of the biggest things that, that, that you, I see people kind of getting in their own way by being extremely hard on themselves. So what are your strategies or your, your tactics or tips for how you would approach a client who was, you know, having that negative self-talk and that was, that was keeping them from being on track? Yeah. I mean, I think for for the most part, awareness is really key. Like a lot of people have negative self-talk and they don't even know it. Mm. So I might actually just get them to journal. I mean, it sort of depends on the person for sure, but Mm -hmm. for a lot of people, I might just get them to journal, write down some of their thoughts and then just sort of highlight. We often have things that we come back to um, and everyone's thing is a little bit different. And sort of if that thought comes over and over again, like highlighting that, that's really interesting. Um, Or another one, there's a book called Reboot. His name is Jerry Colonna. I think he wrote it. He's a um, a coach. Anyway, what he gets people to do is when they journal, take a pen and anytime they're like negative crow, he calls it the crow comes out, then you highlight or you write that those words in a different color of pen. So you can see the difference between like positive and negative sort of self-talk, but any way that you can find a way to even know that you're saying it because there's so often that we have this shaming voice to ourselves um, and we're without even knowing it. And then, and you think that, well, if I'm, I'm speaking to myself like harshly, that's going to motivate me. So I think that after I have people recognize that they even have negative self-talk, then I would have the discussion with them of this idea that, you know, positive self-talk is not, you know, yeah, everything you do is perfect. Let's just forget right. about it. And so, and so like, I think people, again, to go with this dichotomy, people think, well, it's either I'm saying to myself, like, you better work out. You're right. like a lazy asshole. Or it's a, like, oh, who cares? Whatever you want to do. Yeah. And so I try to explain to people that I'm not trying to let them off the hook. The answer is not like, oh, well, nothing matters. What I'm just saying is that unproductive like negative, cruel self-talk is not motivating. In fact, it just inspires more uh, behavior that you're not proud of. Like it creates this idea where you you shame yourself and you feel unmotivated and you feel like that identity of like, well, I'm just a person who's, you know, a failure. So why not continue to make choices that don't serve me? So um, I have this group coaching course and we call it uh, kick your ass with compassion. And I think that that's what I would try to um, help people understand is that the self-talk that I am promoting is not the let yourself off the hook and it's right. not the cruel. It's the productive middle ground where you kick your own ass as in like you are making yourself accountable, but you do so with compassion. So when you have a bad day, you say, okay, so this is interesting. So what was upstream of that, bad, like that choice that didn't serve you? Did you yeah. not get enough sleep? Were you triggered by some family stuff? Did you not have enough food? So you were kind of hangry. Did you not have enough protein? Did So everything becomes data. It's that growth mindset, that Carol Dweck growth mindset. Um, mm-hmm. and, and you're compassionate with yourself, almost like you would be with a child, right? So if your child came home and they had a really bad math exam, you wouldn't say like, you're a stupid, lazy asshole and you're never going to get a better grade in math. But you also wouldn't say like, oh, well, who cares? Like, just go eat bonbons. What you would say is like, okay, are you being bullied? Are you not getting enough sleep? Do you need a tutor? Um, So yeah, so I would help them find that middle ground. I think that the the sort of the theme of today's middle ground, right? Is like, yeah. uh, Yeah. And that's, that's what I would do with the, with the self-talk. Yeah, I think it's pattern recognition, right? It's like whenever you yeah. you start to like, you can see patterns or get people to see their patterns. Because I mean, mm-hmm. as humans, we're really, we're just a series of patterns or, you know, habits yeah. and rituals and standards. And so yeah. I think a lot of times, like you, back to what you were saying about people aren't even aware that they're doing it. Yeah. It's because the pattern has become so normalized in their own Absolutely. brain with their own language. Um, I'm really big on like language. Like when I hear somebody talk, um, I, I'm... 
horrible at like the correction of that language, not in a really bad way, but I'm like, okay, well, hold on a minute. Like you're using language that doesn't fit yeah. the scenario for which we were talking. Like I was talking to a client today and she kept using the word suffering over and over yeah. and over again. And I was like, we have to stop using that word. Yeah. And she was like, yeah. why? I was yeah. like, because in this, in the, in the scope of what it is we're talking about, that is not suffering. And if yeah. you continue to use that language around this particular situation, mm-hmm. then you're defining suffering in a way that is not going to serve, not right? It's not going to serve you. Yeah. 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 And, and so that first yeah. idea of helping even the person realize that they are using language and self-talk that doesn't serve them, right? Most people, I don't think, I really don't think that people know that. And I no. think that they think that if they're mean enough to themselves, right. that they will therefore succeed when it's just absolutely uh, not true. I don't, do you know the Tim Ferriss podcast? Yeah, totally. Okay. So anybody listening, if they have, if they like this topic, I really suggest Tim Ferriss and Brené Brown did a podcast and mm. it, I think it's called finding the balance between, I don't know, like self-talk and acceptance or something, but it's yeah. all literally on this topic. And they discuss for like two hours, how do you find the middle ground between letting yourself off the hook and berating yourself in a way that it's unhelpful. And those right. two people, like two of the smartest people I've ever listened yeah. to. It's an amazing, it may be from two years ago, but if you just look up Tim Ferriss, Brené Brown, and it's the most recent conversation, it's it's brilliant. One of my, le- this is kind of in that same topic. One of my least favorite, I'll call it like phrases is mm-hmm. when I hear people say, I'm going to listen to my body. And I don't mean that in a negative way. Let me unpack that for a second. I'm going to listen to my body. Because I think most of us, our bodies have been lying to us for like 20, 30, 40 years. And so maybe that's not the right guy to be listening to. He's giving you kind of some bad advice. But I think a lot of us use that as a way to get off the hook. It's like, yeah. well, today I'm just going to listen to my body and blah, blah, blah. And so I think, and before my suggestion is always before you start listening, and I, I want to get your opinion on this is why I'm asking. Mm-hmm. Before you start listening to your body, you've got to make sure you and your body are actually speaking the same language or, you know, we're, we're communicating with the same end goal in mind. Mm-hmm. Like, what is your, what's your thoughts around mm-hmm. that? I love, I really, really love um, that. Yeah. I mean, it's tricky, right? Cause if you've been eating sugar all your life for like for the last 20 years, what your body is going to say is give me more sugar, give right. me more sugar. That's right. So point, it's, yeah. It, yeah. And I totally, I got your point. I think it's, yeah, I think, I think it really depends on where you bias as a human being as well. So I think there's some people who are so disconnected from their body that that idea of listen to your body, it's a useful concept because it's like, okay, so dial in and let's just have a discussion. And that doesn't mean believe everything your body says, but have at least have a dialogue. So I do think that that can be a really interesting Um, but in that dialogue, part of the dialogue might actually be like, oh, okay, so you're trying to get me to do something that you want, but it's not actually what I need. And that's a big thing. Like, you know, what, what, what does your body want versus need? Like often what you want is to sit on the sofa and watch Netflix, but yeah. what you need is to go for a walk. So I think that if you're somebody who is completely disconnected from their body and never even engages in that discussion, then that could be a really interesting tagline. Um, but then I think there's some people that get so lost in listening. And as you said, the, the, what the discussion is not overly helpful. So really what they need to do is actually just go out and experience their body. Yeah. Um, so I think it can be, I think, it, I think so much of, of health is actually like, it's like Socrates, like know thyself, right? So you kind of have to know where you bias with all these different things yeah. and then be able to say, okay, so where do I bias? And now what is my goal? And how to, how do I modulate, manipulate, like where I normally bias and move, move that. So I'm making actions that serve me towards my goal. Um, But now the tricky part of that is you have to make sure that your goal is actually your goal because it's so easy to be the goal that you make is something that is like determined by your favorite celebrity or your father or your mother or your what you think you should be doing right so it's it's a lot of reflection that this takes place right like because reflecting on you know what is a goal that actually is realistic for me and my age and my gender and my life realities and my financial realities right so making the goal an actual truthful realistic goal and then making sure that you are actually being truthful for yourself it's it's challenge yeah um 
And I think that part of the issue is that then you can listen to a podcast like this and be like, oh my God, it's so challenging. It's so much. I don't yeah. want to do it wrong. And then that can be analysis paralysis. So then you just like, totally. then you're like well, I'm just going to stay on the sofa. So I guess what I would say to everybody listening is while you're thinking about all of these ideas and while you're trying to know yourself and figure out if you're talking the right language with your body and like all of these things, just go for a walk. Like, yeah. don't overthink it. Like, don't you don't have to have it all sorted out. Like you yeah. and I would have been, I've been doing this for well, about 20 years and I don't know how long you have, but like, let me tell you, I started this journey not having it all figured out. I just started going, as we talked about at the beginning, going yeah. to Y and walking on the treadmill for 10 minutes. So don't let yourself think that you have to have all the self-talk and everything all figured out yeah. and just make the next right choice, right? Like you're, if you're listening to this podcast while you listen, like stand up and do some marches, you know, do a yeah. standing plank, do some squats, go for a walk. Like, it doesn't, you know, you do not have to be great to start, but you do have to start to get great. And that's yeah. a really big main takeaway, right? Like I am so much healthier than I was when I started this process, but I oh, wouldn't no. be where I am now if I hadn't taken that first step. And uh, there's no perfect path. Like I started when I was 11 years old, I started lifting weights and I've done everything. I always tell people like, yeah. if there's a workout out there, I mean, I'll be, I'm, I'm started when I was 11, I'll be 48 in a couple of days. And I've done it guys. And there's yeah. no perfect formula. There's no, yeah. people always ask me like, Jay, what's the best workout? And I'm like, there's not no such thing. The one that you'll yeah. actually do. Like yeah, the, the one, one that, that you will actually do. Absolutely. Yeah. That the one you're I, willing yeah. to do right now. And, that, and guess what? Yeah. It may change tomorrow and it may change yeah. the next day and it may change yeah. the next day. I've gotten really into just to, to, to put a bow on that, like listen to your body thing. Me personally, I've gotten really into recently, like having conversations with myself, which sounds yes. a little bit crazy, but no, I, no, I do that all the time. Yeah. That's what therapy teaches you to do. And I trained myself that like, just because I have a thought or a belief or an emotion that a, I'm not, I'm not responsible to act on all of those things. And just because I believe something doesn't mean it's true. Oh my God. Thoughts are not facts. Absolutely. And, yeah, and, so, yeah. and that's, I'm saying like, just because I, me, Jay believes something doesn't necessarily mean it's true. And so what yeah. I've been, what I've been doing is kind of like unpacking a lot of my beliefs, mm -hmm. having conversations around them. And it's not that I have to get to a new belief, but it's just opening and expanding my idea. And I only say that so that, so that anybody listening who says, well, well, I believe I am listening to my body and it's, I believe mm -hmm. my body is saying all of these things. And I'm not, I'm not doubting any of that, but what I would suggest is maybe unpack that a little bit and say, well, mm -hmm. why do I believe these things? And mm -hmm. why is my body telling me to do X, Y, and Z? Mm -hmm. And then when you start yeah. to unpack that, then it's going to give you the data that you've been talking about. And then you can really make really massive, powerful decisions once you have an accumulation of data and facts about mm -hmm. yourself, right? And, and to, yeah. say, to touch on something else you said, it's, it's a lot of our I'm big on definitions and I'm big on mm -hmm. you defining your definitions. Like mm -hmm. fitness for me, if, mm -hmm. if we both right now got a piece of paper and I said, okay, Kathleen, you go, you write down a definition mm -hmm. of fitness and I'm going to do the same thing. We would probably, have, we'd have a couple of words that were the same, mm -hmm. but it'd be different. And then if we gave yeah. that same piece of paper, a blank piece of paper to a hundred people and said, write down what fitness means to you, mm -hmm. they would all be different. And that's yeah. cool and okay. And you mm -hmm. got to be okay with that, that your creation of your life and your journey, you get to be, you know, the driver of that. And mm -hmm. so, you know, you, you, you touched on like, oftentimes we think a certain way and it's not even our thought. It's like yeah. somebody else told us to do this. Yeah, and so it's like, once you can start unpacking that a little bit and asking yourself a bunch of questions, I think it's really valuable to, to your long-term success. And we'll also go back and help you with the negative self-talk and all of those other things in your mindset and like all the beautiful things we've kind of been talking about. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I really, I really, really, I can't underscore underline what you just said that thoughts are not facts. Like, no. you know, I always say to all my clients, like every emotion is okay, but every action is not. And that's right. where you get into this idea. Like you can feel anything, you can think anything, like all of those things, like, yeah, let them run through your head. Like that's fine. But then pause and say, okay, like, where did I get this thought? And is this thought coming from the fact that I'm just haven't had enough sleep or I'm yeah. really hungry or like, think about how, how you feel about things is so dictated by your physiological state. Right. And so that's the other thing I'm really trying to get better at in my current, um, 
version of Kathleen is like when I feel something, stepping back and thinking, okay, what what physiological state am I in right now? Because if yeah. I've just done a workout, then I feel super powerful. If I've uh, just been sleeping, I feel a little bit tired, you know. Um, and if I've had like a 14 hour day, then I feel sort of like cognitively overloaded. And I often will like, oh my God, I can't do that on the weekend. I'm way too tired. But really, if I just go to bed tomorrow, right. I will feel differently. So this is where it comes into of like thoughts are not facts just because you feel something. Yeah. Um, it does not make it true. And the thing I found unbelievably powerful is to realize that this is not a problem um, in Kathleen. This is a part of being human totally. that and it's not a quote unquote problem it is something that successful people are really good at doing so I think for the longest time when I was growing up I sort of thought that you know the fact that I had to analyze my thoughts and the fact that I had to go to therapy and the thoughts that and the fact that like my moods dictated my thoughts like all this stuff yeah. was like a problem with me which and I realized the older I get it's just it is just the like it is the wonderfulness of being human yeah. um and and it takes off that pressure of like, totally. oh, I, sh I should have better thoughts or I should be perfect. And it's like, stop shitting all over yourself. Like, right. You know? Yeah, I think it's, it's we, you know, we kind of touched on it earlier. It's like, you know, it's, it's the dichotomy of happy versus sad, right? It's like, I'm not willing to give up either of those because I, I they, they're both required to have, you know, to have, I want to be happy, right? Like that's my ultimate goal. But if I didn't, if I was never sad, and I was never, you know, you couldn't unhappy. understand what happy was. Yeah. I wouldn't have the, I wouldn't have the, I wouldn't be able to conceptualize even what it meant. And so Absolutely. I yeah, think a lot of times, yeah, a lot of times we want to, we want to get rid of negative emotions or negative thoughts mm -hmm. and just have them go away forever. I think the, the, it's the embrace of them and understanding that just because I'm feeling this in the moment, like you said, you, I mean, that was mm -hmm. well, well orchestrated the way you laid that out is you ask yourself those questions. You're like, okay, Kathleen, what's going on? Am I just tired? Yeah. Am I hungry? Did I just yeah. get up? Did I just work out? Like if you put it through that filter, then nine chances out of 10, you might even come back and be like, you know what? I'm not, I'm not sad. I'm just, yeah. thinking, I'm just tired. I'm, I'm just, just tired. Exactly. I just need to go to just sleep. Need to go to yeah. sleep. Or, and, yeah. and, and guess what? Just because I feel that way in the moment there, you said something and I kind of chuckled because I think a lot of us do this. It's like Tuesday, and we're like, I am too tired to do anything this weekend. I'm like, it's Tuesday. Like, you know, could, exactly. how do you just calm down? Yeah, we, we've got we got several days to go through. Like, let's maybe make that decision on Friday, right? Like, choose, so yeah. Tuesday's yeah. too yeah. aggressive to make that decision. But, but we all do yeah. that, right? Yeah. So James and I have this thing where we're, we we're he knows me very well. And like, so I do have a problem of getting, well, that problem's not the right word, but I do know myself. And I know that I get this like anticipatory exhaustion about yeah. future things. So what he has learned to do with me is he will say, okay, Kathleen, I'm just going to give you an option. Do not make the decision now. Just let it sit in your brain, let it percolate. And maybe in, in you know 24 hours, why don't you tell me what you think about doing this X, Y, and Z this weekend or in six months or whatever. And so it's so brilliant because if I had to make the decision right then, I'd be like, no, I'm not going to do it. I'm too tired. I'm too this. But he's just like, he's just like percolate. And then you know what? I go to bed. I have a good night's sleep. I have a nice meal. I do a workout. And I'm like, oh, you know what? Totally, I can do that. And then I say, I yes. Yeah, but it's so true with also with even just with food, right? Like we get caught up and it's like, oh my God, I need that cookie. And it's like, okay, take a pause, right? right? Like I love the Viktor Frankl quote that um, I'm going to paraphrase, but it's basically like between stimulus and response is our biggest power, right? So we get stimulated. We want the sugar, we want the cookie. And then it's like, pause. And before you respond, then that's where your power is. And if in right. that moment you can say, okay, well, I only want this sugar because you know, I didn't sleep last night and I'm exhausted or I only want the sugar because I didn't have any healthy fat and protein at lunch. So why don't I go have some healthy protein and some fat or like whatever it is. Yeah. I want the sugar because I'm angry at my boss or I'm sad about my partner or whatever. Um, so I think that that pausing and questioning your thoughts and questioning why, like what physiological state is dictating that thought is so powerful yeah. in every situation. When you want to skip a workout, when you want to have food that you know is not going to serve you, when you want to yell at your partner. In my case, when you want to say no to every single situation, like social situation out yeah. there, that, that's definitely my thing. I'm like, no, I'm too tired, can't go to dinner. And it's like, well, oh. actually dinner would be really fun and you love your friends and you want to go do that. Uh, yeah, it's, it's like, it's the impulse control too, right? It's that like being able to delay that gratification. Like 
like you were saying, like the, the decision between like the desire to have it and then the actual action of actually doing it, if you can learn that impulse control in there, and that's where a lot of successful people, that's where they, that's where they make their metaphorical money, right? That's where you make your Absolutely, metaphorical money or, yeah. or even, even with working out, right? It's the, I do, or I don't want to go to the gym or I do, or I don't want to go for the walk versus the do or the don't, right? It's the, it's the controlling of the impulses yes. in that stage that really mm-hmm. signifies whether you're going to be successful or whether you're not going to be successful. Absolutely, yeah. And I'm just going to underscore what I said before, because I'm not sure if I was exactly um, coherent enough. What I guess what I was trying to say earlier when I was saying that I used to think, like I used to think that I was the only person who had those impulses. Oh, yeah. And what I, what I don't, what I've learned as I've gotten older is that we all have them and like having them doesn't make you a bad or a good person. It's how you manage them. And I think that's a better way of putting what I was saying before. And one of the things that's really helped me is um, reading people who I'm very respectful of and like that Tim Ferriss podcast, for example, you know, he has people on that are, you know, the greats of all of their professions, like of investment bankers and of authors and of athletes. And every single one of them says, these are the impulses. These are the bad things that come up in my brain. These are the w- times I've wanted to quit. And this is how I reason with myself. And none yeah. of them say, I always want to work out or I always want to no. eat well, or I, you know, and when I, the more res- people that I really respect that, li- that I listen to that say those kind of things, the more I'm like, right, the impulse is not something to be ashamed of. The impulse is human. Yeah. It's how you manage the impulse, right? And and people listening, I really hope they get that. Like the next time they have a craving or they want to skip a workout, instead of thinking like, oh, well, I'm obviously destined to not work out because I desire to skip this workout. Think, oh no, me and every other person on earth have wanted yeah. to skip their workout. And guess what? Lots of people still do the workout and I can do the workout too. Yeah. Just because I think it doesn't mean I have to act on the thought. And just because I think this is important too, I'm going to see if you agree with me here. Yeah. Just because you you haven't managed those situations well in the past doesn't mean you can't manage them well now. And I'll use myself as an example. I used to, you know, I've, I've told this story before, like when I was a little kid, like I kind of ate my feelings and stuff. And so I would go and I'd, I'd ask my mom, I'd like, hey, can I have a cookie? Like I'd say, can I have a cookie? Because if I say, hey, mom, can I have 10 cookies? She's going to say no. So I would say, can I have a cookie? And she would say, well, of course. But when I did that, I would shove two cookies in my mouth, two in my pocket, and then I would have one, the one cookie in my hand, right? Or, you know, I would deprive myself for so long that I would go to the grocery store and I would get an entire pie or cake or whatever it was, and I would eat it until I made myself sick, right? And so I've retrained myself to delay that gratification, knowing that I can have that stuff anytime I want it, right? Because discipline equals freedom. And I'm disciplined enough to have the freedom to eat what I want, when I want, in, in the capacity that I want. And so I think a lot of times people think, well, I've, I've got this uncontrollable impulse. You can retrain yourself to, to delay that gratification. And I promise you, the more reps you put in with the delay, the easier it gets. I was telling a story to one of my clients today and like nothing gives me greater satisfaction because I'm a little bit of like a, I'm a competitor at everything is to go to a birthday party and be the only one not eating cake. And you know, people be like, Oh, you can, Jay, you can, you can have a piece. I mean, you're in great shape. And I'd be like, no, no, I'm good. I'm perfect. Right. Like, mm-hmm. and I've trained myself to do that because first of all, I don't really love store-bought cake right? So it's easy mm-hmm. for me to say no, but when I push that gratification off, like it really just fortifies like all of the, the things that I've kind of set up to, to be successful. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the stories I could give about my childhood and food are very, very similar. Sneaking food. You well, that's know, what I, I read. I saw sick. that. You yeah. said, yeah, you said you were, you know, an overeater. You, you snuck Absolutely. food. Did you do yeah. this? Cause did you have any brothers or sisters? No, single okay. kid, single mom. So for me, I had a brother who was six years older and my, my father got killed when I was five years old. So I, I grew up with a single mom as well, but I would watch my brother who was six years older, eat like two hamburgers. Mm-hmm. He's six years older than me. I would eat two yeah. hamburgers and I would be yeah. like, or I'd watch him like do something. And I'd be like, well, I'm going to eat that. Like, so I was, I was always overeating and I was always like sneaking food, like you so junk food and, yeah. you know, I'd ask for one and eat four. And so yeah. You, you, yeah. knowing that you kind of did the same thing, how did you, did you just grow out of that or did you kind of, do you think you kind of trained yeah. yourself out of that? 
I mean, I think both, I think change is hugely possible. I think that's the biggest thing to take from all of this, but it just takes time. I think it's a little bit of an identity shift in general. Like once you become the person who exercises and eats well, then that's just, you know, you make choices that fit with your identity. I think it was a gradual process. I think I started with the exercise before I changed the food. Um, And then I slowly, as I got more fit, then I'm like, oh, well, I don't want to eat that food because I want to be able to have the energy to like go for the workout. Um, I think it's, everyone's a little bit different. Some people maybe start with the food and then it goes to the exercise. But for me, I definitely started to get more fit. And then I was like, oh, I want to fuel myself better. Um, I think it's habit change. I Mm -hmm. think for a big thing, it's about what you said when the person said, well, you can have a piece of cake and the idea of like, yeah, I could, but I don't want to. I think Mm -hmm. that's a very different thing. Like when I was a kid, I think there's an element of also being a child and it's like, well, a parent can tell me I can never have this again. So I need to eat as much of it as I can now. Um, And now it's like, I'm an adult. So like I could have 10 cookies, but you know what? I could also just have one, Um, but I could also have zero because guess what? I could have 10 tomorrow if I want to. So there's a little bit of also just saying to yourself, like, this is not something being done to me. Like I get to choose and I, it's an agency thing. So I think that's part of it. Um, And I think it's partly what you said of like, well, why would I have store-bought birthday cake? Like what I really try to instill in my clients is the, is my idea of the love it rule. So like I for sure eat foods that are maybe not a plus ideal for me, but I do it because I love it. Um, But I'm not going to have, you know, Doritos that I don't love. And I wouldn't have store-bought birthday cake either. I would have like, I love chocolate peanut butter ice cream. So we have um, Kawartha dairy ice cream in, in Ontario, which is like from up North. So I might have a small bowl of that, or I love fudgicles. Like I love chocolate, but like, I wouldn't have crap I don't love. So I don't know. it's, It's all of it, but it's mainly just slow changes. Like I didn't go from one day eating, you know, all the food to the next day eating none. Uh, Partly it was therapy. Partly it's being able to talk to myself. Partly it's having an identity shift. Um, And partly it's just learning to listen. And in this way, it is learning to listen to your body when, as in when you overeat and you feel disgusting, you know, learning to say, oh, interesting. This is data. Like, I don't feel good when I eat this way. So then the next time you want to eat that way, um, then you can think back and listen to your body. So that's, I think that's maybe the final note I'll say about the listen to your body thing is part of it is figuring out which body and when you're listening to, because when you have a desire or a craving in the immediate sense, your body might want the sugar. But if you take a moment to listen to past iterations of your body, what you'll realize is the sugar actually makes you feel like crap. So Right. So that's, that is sort of part of it as well Is you have to be smart enough to sort of say like, oh, well, last time I ate an entire tub of ice cream, I wanted to vomit. So my body was saying to me, don't eat the tub of ice cream. Even though in this moment, my body is saying to me, you want the ice cream, you want the ice cream. So it's a, it's a little bit of a funny thing. Like that's why it's, it's, it's interesting and complicated and wonderful. And you just have to be kind to yourself and use it all as data, all of the learning, all learning experiences. Um, and it's in, it's a growth, like it's a gradual growth process. Yeah. But I think that comes back to what you said earlier about like, you know, there should be, there's no finish line, right? Like we're, yeah, we're, we're, no in finish this, line. we're in this for, you know, forever. Right. And so I think that's the important thing to remember is I, I get this question a lot and you probably do too. And I, I would, I'd like to get your answer on it. People always say, well, Jay, how long is it going to take me to blank? Mm-hmm. Right. And my, I usually come back with, well, why does that matter? Mm-hmm. Right. Because if you've really, if you really want it, right. Mm-hmm. Like if you came to me and you said, you know, Hey Jay, I want, you know, I want to make $10 million. And I said, okay, mm-hmm. cool. And you'd be like, well, how long mm-hmm. is it take me to make that? And I'd say, well, is that really the goal? Right. Is that really mm-hmm. something you care about? And if you said, well, yeah, then the answer would be, well, it doesn't matter how long it's going to take. Like yeah. if you're willing to go after it and, and do it, then it's the action is more important than the actual goal. Yeah, process. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a really interesting question because I do think that there's something about our brains that like to have a finish line, even if the finish oh. line can then change. So I think like I would equate it to running a marathon. If somebody said to me, you know, just start running. And I said, well, how long do I run for? And they said, well, I don't know, just keep running. That would be very, very disconcerting. Whereas if they said like, okay, well, the marathon is X amount of time. Right. Or you have to run 5k. So it's not that I think like, I agree with you that if something's important to you, it doesn't matter how long it takes. But I also think there's an element that we like to have those short term check ins. So I think I right like, so I know that you weren't saying that that wasn't a good thing. But I do that 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 is the key is finding the balance between knowing that ultimately, 
health is an infinite game ultimately, right? But within that infinite game, you can have finite games along the way. So I think how yeah. I would put it is this, if, if you only care about the finite games, right? Like you only care about the, well, I will lose 10 pounds and then I will be happy. That's not going to work because right. that doesn't, it doesn't, right? You lose the 10 pounds. And then if you stop the game of health, you just gain the 10 pounds back. Yeah. So I would say that finite discrete goals without an infinite game plan do not work. But an infinite game plan, as in I'm going to be healthy until the day I die, with shorter, finite games within it is yeah. completely wonderful. That's, I think, how I would put it. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a situation where I see people, it's like, well, if it's going to take that long, then it won't be mm. worth it. Right? Mm. And so if that's the case, then is it even worth it to even start it? Mm-hmm. Right? So I've got a theory and a philosophy that if I can't do it forever, then I'm not even going to start it today. And that's, mm-hmm. that's kind of a, that's a big scope that you can put a lot of little things in. But if you, if you said to me, Hey, Jay, I want to lose a hundred pounds. And I mm-hmm. said, perfect. That's going to take mm-hmm. you three years. Mm-hmm. And you don't want it to take three years. You want to get it. Mm-hmm. You want to, so you would say, well, if I can't do it in a year, then I'm just not going to do it. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people fall into that category because they think, mm-hmm. well, I'm going to have to do this forever then. And that mm-hmm. seems very daunting. Yeah. Yeah. But I do agree. I do agree with what you're saying. Yeah. 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 And I think we're both, I think, you know, I think ultimately so much of this is it depends on the person who's in front of you. And yeah. I think when you work one-on-one with somebody, you can sort of see, okay, what motivates you versus what motive, like, and everyone is motivated in a slightly different way. And then yeah. sometimes people will come and you kind of know that they're looking for excuses to not do the thing. And that, right. that's a totally different thing than if they come, you know, looking for a solution um, for every excuse versus an excuse for every solution. So part of it is just the mindset the person is in, um, you know? Yeah. So I think it would depend on the person, but I think for for the most part, what I would say is you have to look at it as a long-term thing with shorter bouts within that long-term, right. And if you're lucky enough to be alive, then, you know, health is the problem of privilege that you are left with. Um, and you only get one body and this is yeah. one precious life, right? So what are you going to do with it? How much, I want to ask you a couple more questions before I let okay. you go. How much um, emphasis do you put on um, mindset over the other things, right? The other physical things like the actual, you know, going to the gym, walking on the treadmill mm-hmm. or going outside for a walk yeah. versus, versus eating broccoli and, and all mm-hmm. those types of mm-hmm. things like that. Is, is, does it have a certain level of importance in the way that you would teach and coach and train or, or, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the thing about it is that you can't make yourself do any of the other things. You can't make yourself go for a walk, do lunges or do a bench press if you don't have the right mindset. So like, it depends a little bit on the person in front of me, how much I emphasize um, each. So I think of there's sort of three pillars of health. There's the sort of mindset aspect, there's the fitness, and then there's sort of nutrition. Um, and that, I mean, there's obviously sleep as well, but like, you know, sure. basically if you think about health as like a table on top of these three legs, um, and you know, everyone's a little bit different. So some people will come in and they really have the mindset and the fitness dial down, but they eat like crap. So then with that person, I might try to work more on the nutrition. And then some people will come in and they know all of the best knowledge about all the newest workouts and the newest diets, but they can't actually make themselves do it. So for them, I'd be like, okay, you know enough, you got enough knowledge, but knowledge is mood. If like, if you can't make yourself do it, who cares? Right. Right. Like what's that? There's a Derek Sivers quote. That's like a, um, oh, if knowledge was enough, we'd all be billionaires with six pack abs. I think oh, it's yeah. something like that, right? So, you know, so I think it depends a little bit on the person, but for the most part, I believe that all three things are important, mindset, um, fitness, and nutrition, yeah. and you got to have a balance, but you have to have a healthy enough mindset to make yourself do the fitness and nutrition. Um, and here's the thing, and I know this from listening to your podcast that you would agree with me that the right, like if you don't have the right mindset, then what you're going to choose for the fitness and the nutrition is not going to serve you. As in like, if your mindset is like, oh my God, I, if I'm not size two, I'm not worthwhile, then you're going to starve yourself and you're going to overexercise. So right. mindset really dictates how you use the fitness and the nutrition information that's out there. And that's why mindset for, is unbelievably important, right? Because yeah. health is like, there's a lot of actions that are healthy in moderation, but overexercising not healthy, Right over dieting, not healthy. Right. Um, and we were talking before we started 
uh, recording of this idea of the golden mean that's like an Aristotle concept. And, and that's this idea of like with every virtue, there's vices on either side and the, the golden mean is the sort of middle, right? Um, and I think that that's so true with exercise and health is like, yes, going for a walk is really healthy. Walking for 24 hours a day, not so healthy, right? right. Like sleep is really important sleep for 24 hours a day, not so good, right? right? Like, so yeah. everything is, it, it is that golden mean. Yeah. Um, the, I don't the, know, that's a long of, answer to- No, know. the point of diminishing <laughs> return, right? I agree, I yes. agree 100%. I think that those are both valuable. Um, this has been awesome. I, I love I love chatting with I you. Know, you're we, so we could, great, I love we could it. Talk for, we could talk for hours. What's um what's something you just like to leave the audience with? Like if you have one, one tip, one strategy, one idea, one thought, one something that- you wish somebody would have told you like what would what would that be something is always better than nothing i really got into when i was younger and i couldn't make myself exercise and i hated exercise it was really because i thought in order for the workout to be beneficial i needed to run for an hour or i needed to do weights for an hour or yeah. like it had to be this like massive endeavor um, and i'm not arguing that running for an hour is bad like i've run like eight marathons and an ironman and stuff so like now the current version of kathleen can go out for you know an hour long run but kathleen at 15 absolutely couldn't and i right. paralyzed myself by thinking that i had to be perfect. So start where you are, 10 minute walk, 15 minute walk, you know, 10 squats, whatever that is. Um, and even if you're somebody who normally goes to the gym for an hour, if something comes up at work and you can't go home and do 20 minutes of calisthenics, like at home in your living room, right? Like yeah. something is always better than nothing. I love, love, love that. I'm going to put all of your details, all of your info, your website, your social media, all that will be on the show notes. So people will be able to find you super easy. Um, is there Perfect. one place that you like to hang out? Like if it would be the best place to see like what's Kathleen um, doing today? I mean, my website is kathleentrotter.com um, okay. and then a fit by Kathleen T on Instagram, I guess, or okay. Facebook. I don't know. I really get hold of me. I, I love hearing from people. So cool. you know, you can message me through my website or or on Instagram or Facebook and I will definitely. Awesome. And I'll, I'll, I'll put all those in the show notes and everything. So it'll be super easy perfect. to find. And then once the show comes out, um, we'll tag you on all the social media platforms. Amazing. Yeah. Chats. Yeah. Perfect. I think that's but great. Thanks for, uh, thanks for sharing with me today. Oh, you're fantastic. And I'm, I loved listening to your story and I really enjoyed yeah, you're very inspirational. Even honestly, I think that's something a, a nice takeaway to finish with is, you know, I was listening to you yesterday and I was thinking about not doing my workout. And then I was like, nope, I got to do my workout. So, Aww, that's super cool. Even fitness, no, but even fitness professionals, that's that ripple effect. Yeah, I agree. We all need a helping hand sometimes. Agreed. 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 Thank you so much. Pleasure to meet you. Hey, before you go, I'd just like to say thank you again for listening to the Thrive Forever Fit podcast and watching on YouTube. It means the absolute world to me. And if you would, if you would do me one favor, and that is simply subscribe and review this podcast on whatever platform it is that you enjoy it on, YouTube, Apple, Spotify, doesn't matter. I would absolutely be so grateful and so thankful if you do that for me. Thanks again for listening and I'll see you again next week with an awesome, awesome episode. Bye.